Hello, hello, hello. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. If you share a pipeline goal with your sales team, then you care about the deliverability of your team's outbound emails. No email visibility means no chance to get that meeting. This is the silent nightmare for marketers. We often don't even know that this is happening. The most common cause of it, it's actually an easy one to fix. You're not using the right tool. That's why hundreds of marketers at companies like Mutiny are switching to Apollo.io. Apollo has every tool you need to power your entire outbound and inbound motions. Yep, that's right. I said inbound emails too. You can ask their team about what that is. Marketers using Apollo have seen outbound email deliverability jump from 62% to 98% after making the switch. 98%, that means more replies, more meetings, and of course, more pipeline. Want to see what type of results you can get with Apollo? Head over to apollo.io slash e5, apollo.io slash e5. If you go there right now, their team will set you up with a free account for you. And as a thank you for your time, check this out. You're going to get a free annual membership to Exit 5. That's valued at $275 just for checking them out. And the tool is free. If you're not already a member, this is a great opportunity. And if you are and you want to learn more, go to apollo.io slash e5. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by my friends at Metadata. Yes, they're my friends. I'm working with them right now. Hey, Metadata, what's up? Metadata helps demand gen marketers automate paid campaigns and drive more revenue. If you work in demand gen, you know how running paid campaigns can create so many technical, mundane, and repetitive tasks. You got 17 tabs open in your browser, more like 170. You're jumping from LinkedIn to Google to Facebook, plus there's all the audience creation, creative, and testing variations. It can be an entire job just to keep track of this stuff and make sure it all is running properly. And with humans doing it, there's bound to be a lot of wasted time and potential for mistakes and missed opportunities. Through AI and automation, Metadata frees you from having to manually do these tasks so you can spend your time on the work that matters most, strategy, creativity, and the experimentation. Demand gen teams use Metadata to execute hundreds of campaigns without ever logging into ad managers, automatically monitoring their campaigns and optimizing for pipeline and revenue, and drastically scaling their performance before needing to hire more people or hire an agency. In the last two years, Metadata has automated 92,000 campaigns and influenced over $2 billion in pipeline for customers like Zoom, Ramp, Pendo, and ThoughtSpot. ThoughtSpot generated $5 million in pipeline in their first few months at a 1 to 6 spend to pipeline ratio. There's a stat right there. Write that one down. That's a stat that will get you promoted. If you're a demand gen marketer and you're running paid campaigns today, you really should consider using metadata. You can learn more about how the metadata team can help you do humanly impossible marketing at metadata.io. That's metadata.io. And make sure you tell them that you heard about them right here on the Exit 5 podcast. One, two, three, four. Exit five. My guest on this episode is Daniel Murray. He's host of the Marketing Millennials podcast and solutions consultant in marketing ops at Clearbit. Yo, there he is, the man. What's up? Hey, hey, good to see you. Are you still in the West Coast? Yeah, I'm in the West Coast for now. When are you going? February 27th. Oh, soon. Okay. You're going to pack or what? Barely bring anything. (laughs) I have to to pack some stuff. Okay. We're going to talk this whole hour and it's going to be heavy. So I want to cover everything. And everybody's in chat. Andrew, Liz, Nishant, Will, Alberto. This is great. This will be a really popular topic. We'll see how many people show up, but I'm going to post this for everybody in DGMG anyway. Okay. So here's a backstory. This is Daniel Murray. Daniel, what's up? Want to give a quick intro for people that if they don't know you, they probably do. But if they don't, just tell people who you are. Yeah. Right now I'm in the solutions consultant at Clearbit. And you might see me on social media sometimes. I pop up there sometimes. And social media is kind of my side hustle that I love to do. And it's kind of like my other pillar of the T-shaped marketer. If you think of it as operations and then social media. Nice. Which is rare, actually. I think it's a rare combination. Okay. I wanted to do this because I see this topic come up a lot. And you and I trade a lot of messages. And we see what people are posting and have a lot of conversations about what's working and what's not. But I also think that LinkedIn is still 
and this is DJ, like we talk specifically kind of to B2B marketing. I think LinkedIn is still wildly, wildly underrated for B2B. And the reason why is not because nobody knows about LinkedIn, but I think that most people are not, most companies, most B2B SaaS companies are just not using it in the right way. What's your reaction to that comment? A hundred percent, because I think B2B SaaS companies are treating it like, oh, here's all about me. Here's about like my latest webinar. Here's about my latest board member that I just hired. Here's my Series A announcement. Here's my latest blog post I wrote. And this has nothing to do with why someone should follow you on social media. Unless you're someone who's going to about, about to be hired for that company, right. or you want to check in and be like, oh, is this company credible or not? There's no reason to do that. I think people are missing opportunities to build audiences on LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I think what people miss with that is like, and here's what we're going to do. I, this is not going to be me interviewing Daniel and, and us going back and forth. We want to help you. So the way to do that is raise your hand, and then I will bring people in. And I, like, I want to help you specifically with your LinkedIn questions. I'm going to give preference to anybody who's actually willing to like raise their hand and be on camera, be on audio and chat. So do that. And then we'll also take other questions too. And, and I'll get to Nishant in a minute. But the way that I think about it is, is similar to what you said. But I think what people miss is like, to me, the ultimate goal is to build an audience because ultimately you want to drive some business result, right? You want to have lots of followers on LinkedIn. And I think people will say, well, that's just a vanity metric. But it, it's not because if you have lots of followers on LinkedIn in the niche of B2B and you post interesting things and then you promote things about your company, people are going to be more likely to actually go to your website. And so like, I felt this personally. When I was working at Drift, for example, I used to just only post Drift stuff, Drift stuff, Drift stuff. And that worked in maybe like 2017, 18 when LinkedIn Organic was kind of going crazy. But then what I did is a couple of years after I switched and I kind of completely just only talked about marketing, but maybe only 20% of the time I would promote something. And so what I noticed was when I promoted things a lot, the response rate was very, was very low. And this is what I see so many B2B companies do is exactly what you said. Their LinkedIn either people or company page is all sign up for our webinar. And I see that post that's like, hey, go to our event. And the post has 11 likes and 3 comments. And the 3 comments are from the 3 sales reps at the company. right? And so what I found personally was when I talked more about marketing, 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 and then on like day number 9, I said, hey, I'm doing this event with Daniel Murray, go sign up. I'm actually going to get people to sign up because you've actually started to build an audience there. And I think that especially if you're in LinkedIn, if you're in B2B, LinkedIn can be one of the best top of the funnel strategies. And you have to just start thinking like a media company, not I got to promote my stuff, but it's about your customer. And so if you sell to finance, or if you sell to HR, or if you sell to ops, how can you create the go-to page for people in that space. Like you've done this as an example, like with your marketing millennials page, right? Like you don't have software and business stuff to promote. You started this as a side hustle from a guy who just like liked marketing and wanted to post marketing stuff. And so you've grown this 200,000 plus follower page basically through posting quotes and memes and gifts and observations. And now if you promote something, you help promote my book this week. And like the response to that was awesome. And that's because you don't often promote stuff. Okay, so that rant is over and I'm going to tag in Nishant to kick us off and then we'll go to Khalid. Go ahead, sir. It's just Khalid, you know. Oh, Khalid, think, sorry. Think DJ Khalid, that's me. D DJ Khalid? Is <laughs> that really? No, I'm the original DJ Khalid, but then he sold from me. So. Respect. Sorry, Khalid. <laughs> there you go. go ahead. Uh, I've been on LinkedIn and it's been semi-effective. My ICP, I don't even like the word ICP, but uh, we typically work with e-commerce companies. And I'm not sure if I'm just not able to find the right audience. I have a ton of marketers who follow me. Some posts do really well. I cannot figure out what posts work really well and what posts don't work really well. Sometimes I write something in like a couple of minutes and I'm like, wow, that blew up. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I put some really a lot of thought into this. And then there's very little interaction. So would love to hear some thoughts on that. Yeah, you go first. So you're, you said your audience is e-commerce? Yeah. So basically, oh. e-commerce retailer, you know, I mean, large e-commerce. What type of services are you? I run a conversion optimization agency. Um, so most of my posts are about marketing, experimentation, 
we do a weekly case study uh, every Wednesday that we post. We pick an A-B experiment, an A-B test that we just ran, and we show some analysis. If, if you want, I can send a link to my profile. Yeah, for me, I think when posting on LinkedIn, you got to put yourself in the shoes of who that person is that you're going to be writing for. So if it's e-commerce company, you might be distracting CRO people and CRO people already get CRO. So you're just getting a bunch of people that are in your space that like your post. If you want to like track e-commerce people, like I would talk about how to improve e-commerce stuff and become like an authority of e-commerce because then you're going to get an audience of e-commerce people and then they'll be like, oh, he knows also CRO. Like, let's go to him to talk about CRO, but you can mix in CRO stuff, I think. But if you're going to talk just about like CRO stuff, you're just going to get a bunch of CRO people following you and being like, oh, cool. You understand CRO. I think sometimes that's the problem with people on LinkedIn. It's like, the reason why for Dave it worked to post about marketing is because Drift was that his audience was marketers and they were like showing like, oh, Drift understands marketing and I should get Drift because Drift is, mar I know Dave does more than that, but if you're focused on more e-commerce stuff, I would go a little bit more broad on just yeah. e-commerce I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at your page right now. You seem like the CRO expert, but like 10 of your last 10 posts are basically about CRO. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Where like... You should try it honestly tomorrow. And what's a meme or GIF or something just completely funny or emotional or relatable to e-commerce people that has nothing to do with CRO? You can talk about CRO, and I think that is important. Like I think that for you, what you're trying to sell, like you can't just like only post memes and be successful. But I think like I'm starting to see the light on so much more. Like look at what works on some of the top like Instagram and TikTok accounts, right? What are those types of things? What are people naturally interested in? How can you post some of that stuff? Now I'm following you. Now I know you're the CRO guy, but you're also kind of funny and you're personal. And it seems like you get e-commerce marketing people. And I think the natural tendency is like to not want to do that. I like that. And I think that's the missing piece. It just hit me as you guys explained it. This is as <laughs> clear as day. But yeah, who follows me are the CROs. Although my target is e-commerce, right. I rarely post about that. So this this makes a lot of but like, sense. But like, look, you have 9,500 followers on LinkedIn and it's not like your posts get no engagement. I'd argue that the people that are engaging on your stuff are probably really quality people because of your niche. But I think you're focused too far on the bottom of the funnel. And so I would maybe just switch it and start posting the CRO stuff. Also, like if CRO is already in your tagline of your name, people will understand that you're a CRO person. Oh, yeah. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Your headline is uh, Chronicles of Strategy and Marketing, No Growth Hack, period, period, period. That's what I see. Mm, yeah. And so if you want to be the e-commerce and even if you want to be the CRO guy or the e-commerce guy, I can't actually easily see that. This is what I see, Chronicles of Strategy and Marketing. Yeah. No CRO there and no e-commerce either. <laughs> no e-commerce. And then also when one thing people underestimate about LinkedIn is is a very good search engine. So if someone's searching e-commerce or CRO, you're not coming up at all when that you're hitting the name. You're missing out on people who are even searching that because you're not putting that in your headline at all when people search for you. All right, Cal, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And by the way, Post a meme or something this week. Do have fun with it, and then DM it to me and Daniel or something. Uh, Nishant, can you you want to try to go again? Go ahead. So a bit of my background. I recently graduated, pursued my MBA in marketing. That was my introduction to marketing, and I kind of fell in love with it. But I have always been very reserved person, introverted. So I feel very weird putting myself promoting myself. I'm doing it for my clients, but I feel really weird and uneasy putting myself out there. That's why I tried putting content on LinkedIn. It got some decent attraction as well. That is one thing I want to understand how to work around. And second is, since I have recently started, I have a couple of different things I am working on and have planned to work on. Now, how do I keep those separate? For example, one is a relationship-based podcast. One is a marketing podcast. And I'm uh, working with someone who is building their own courses that I also will need to promote. I think on the, on, on the first one, so I have two ways out answers. Number one is part of it is that's okay. It's not supposed to be easy. Like I would love to be super jacked and have 15 abs 
but I, you have to eat incredibly and work out a million times to be able to do that. And so like, there's got to be some trade-off, right? Like if you're not comfortable doing it, well, then you might not reap the benefit from it. And so I would say part of it is like, you might have to swallow a pill and start to be like, I'm not comfortable doing this, but maybe I'll learn and maybe I'll grow. And what's the why for you wanting to do it? It's not just to be vain and post about your stuff on social media. It's because you have things that you want people to find and discover, right? The other thing is, I actually think I wrote about this in the book, but like the reason I'm so bullish on like Twitter and LinkedIn from a brand building standpoint is because of what you mentioned in that most people are not comfortable on video or they're more introverted or they're comfortable on camera. We're not asking you to make a TikTok dance or do some viral video. Like I see your name in my Facebook group a hundred times a week, dude. You're clearly not afraid to write things, right? Channel that energy into LinkedIn and it's just text. You don't have to get on video. And so that's how I would do that. But Danny, what do you want to say? Can you give him some advice about the second part? Like if you want to talk about six topics, how do you build a following if you're going to talk about six topics? I think the key is starting to find like what you want to be known for. It all starts with like what you want to be known for in the long term. Yeah. You can't be known for everything. It's just not possible. It's so true. And I hear this all the time. I'm interrupting you only because I want to mention mm. this. People say this a lot all the time. Like I got these six different things that I want to do. Okay, well then what Daniel and I are going to tell you is that what work, if you want to build an audience on a social media channel, the thing that works best is to actually not talk about those six things, only talk about the one or two. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm just going to say. It's like, you want to be known for something in the future. You're more than what you are today as a person. Like if I came to you 10 years ago and I said, 10 years from now, and like, who are you? You would be known as X. You would be known as the person of all these different things because you can't be great at everything. You have to sacrifice things to be known as great as one or two things. So what I would start is that. And also, I think for sprinkling on these things, I think you can sprinkle in, but you have to give value 80% or 85% of the time and then give those things, the other things that you yeah, want to give. I always go back to like, Really, not even like marketing. And thanks for hollering. Brendan, you come off mute and, and you go next. And I wish I could spend an hour with everybody, but it's just impossible. So I want to make this valuable for the most amount of people. The other thing is, what are the accounts that you actually follow? Like, not me on this webinar thing, Dave, but like when I'm just sitting on the couch scrolling through my phone, which content am I actually stopping and reading? And how can you be that? And it's such obvious advice, but it's just so hard to think about that in the moment. And so, what I see with a lot of B2B companies in particular, well, we got a blog post, so we got to post about that. We got a new podcast episode, so we got to post that. We got an event next week, so we got to post that. We won some awards, so we got to post that. And I'd argue nobody wants to hear about any of those things. Even if... Take the best brand in the world. Take Nike. I'll give you Nike. I love Nike. I don't care about what awards that they won on social media. I don't, maybe one out of every 10, they post that. But you have to really think about social media. And this is why so many brands can't get it right, is that they just treat it like another promotional channel versus like what actually works to build an audience here. Okay, go ahead, Brendan. You're on with Dave and Daniel, Radio Hour. Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my question. I see Dan and Dave, you guys both, I see posts like some stuff you do on Twitter, onto LinkedIn. And so I just kind of want to get your thoughts on creating content on a different platform like Twitter or TikTok, and then posting that on LinkedIn. Like, why do you guys do that? And have you seen success with that? So I just like to hear what you guys think. Go, Daniel. I guess I see success with it, but I'll give you the true reason why I started doing it. And then we'll go. Sure. But the true reason I started doing it is because I wanted to start building my Twitter and I was going to cross promote that on LinkedIn because I just didn't want to write original content on both platforms. So I chose which was my top of funnel platform and then repurposed on LinkedIn. And then I realized, okay, if I post this on LinkedIn, it's actually getting a lot of likes and engagement and it's, it's sharing. And then the extra benefit is I get an extra 10, 15, 30 followers on Twitter at the same time. So I did it for cross promotional reasons, but I also started posting dark mode because it stands out in a feed, like it interrupts a feed. If you look at a dark post versus text on a feed, it interrupts it. Like if you're scrolling on your feed and you see a dark post, you're just like, it's something different. That's the thing about these. You have 
three seconds to stop someone and if someone sees a dark tweet with big text they're just like oh yeah okay i'll read that that's easy to read instead of going to read this wide post which is line by line so that's more why said in it. chat what's, what's a dark post a dark post is just when he takes a screenshot of the tweet on its phone it's in dark mode so like the background is black because like the linkedin background is white I realize it stands out in the feed where other posts don't, if you see it in the feed. And that's why people notice it. It's to be honest, like you don't have to, I told Dave this, you don't have to, be, and he knows this as well, but like, you don't have to be an A plus writer out there. You just need to find a way to stick out. And that could be through consistency, but you have to have some above average content. And honestly, a tweet is just like a hook in someone's face like that's what it really is a tweet is it's just a one-line hook yeah and brad mentioned this in the comment i've seen comments from this from people like if i do this is dumb this is lazy well i totally disagree with that because i think it's actually the it's the ultimate example of what we what i just mentioned before which is actually thinking about the feed i want people to see my stuff and so if this thought is like the linkedin feed is typically just white and plain and so taking a screenshot of the tweet I think that that's a great piece of advice and line of thinking. I also think of it like this. The way social media channels work is they make their money through advertising, right? And so they show very little. I have however many 100,000 followers on LinkedIn. On an average post, would you say like less than 10% of my followers actually see that content? And the same is true on Twitter. So I do it as a way to get more people to see the message. And so I think of like, what's the message? What are the ideas that I want to be putting out? And the way that I distribute them is through Twitter and LinkedIn. And I have no problem taking something and posting it on one channel or the other. Hey, it's Dave. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. If you share a pipeline goal with your sales team, then you care about the deliverability rate of your team's outbound emails. No email visibility means no meetings. This becomes the silent nightmare for us marketers. You often don't even know that this is happening. And the most common cause of it, it's actually an easy one to fix. You're not using the right tool. That's why hundreds of marketers at companies like Mutiny are switching to Apollo.io. Apollo has every tool you need to power your entire outbound and inbound motions. Yep, that's right. I said inbound emails too. You can ask their team about it. Marketers using Apollo have seen outbound email deliverability jump from 62% to 98% after making the switch. 98%, that means more replies, more meetings, and of course, more booked pipeline. Want to see what type of results you can get? Head over to apollo.io slash e5, apollo.io slash e5 right now and book a meeting with their team to get set up. And as a thank you for your time, they will give you a free annual Exit 5 membership for booking a meeting that's valued at $275. Go check them out, apollo.io slash e5. Because yes, a very small slice of people will have already seen it and be like, this is lame, dude. I already saw this. They don't even say that. But most importantly, 99% of the people probably didn't even actually see that post in the first place. And so I think that's why I do it. I hate this thinking that you post something once and you can't ever use it again. Because of that same thinking that 99% of the people, let's say 90% of my followers don't ever see my stuff. And yet I post something, I know that 90% of them ever see it, and then I never go back to that again. And so like one of the things that Daniel helped me do more of is like, let's go back and find things like, yes, I've said that before, but my game is I want as many people to see it as possible. And so if that thing, like how often do I post 10 of my favorite copywriting tips? Those of you that know me and have been following me for years or like in DGMG, you're like, oh, he always posts that. But many, many new people have never seen that. And that's a popular piece of content for them to like get engaged with and start to see more of stuff and click like and click comment. And then once they do that, they're going to see more of the post. And so I think of it like that way. And the other last piece on this is like, it's an amazing way to test what's going to work. I usually don't like think about, I'm going to go write this for LinkedIn, but I just might be on a walk and I have some random thought and I tweet that thought out about marketing or whatever. And I check my phone later and that tweet has a bunch of comments and likes and retweets. I might then say, huh, this content piece has already been proven as interesting to people that follow me. I'm going to now take it and put it on the backlog. And that's going to be something that we use for LinkedIn in a couple of days or, or, or next week. You also made a great point there. People think that I just take every one of my tweets and I put them on there. I take the ones that are the, the best performing tweets and put them on there because I want people found value on Twitter, I think they will find value on LinkedIn too. 
The the other thing though is like I think what also works about that stuff is um it works best when you give the one two punch to the image like if you just blindly post the quote image and you don't have two hundred thousand followers like the marketing millennials page if you just blindly take a screenshot and post it to LinkedIn nothing's gonna happen use the one two punch like write copy add a new thought add the image I like to think a lot about like how does the copy and the screenshot how can they best work together Brendan any last second comment on that before we switch over yeah to I just say like. Daniel, to your uh, comment earlier, I was like, it is a complete attention interrupter. And I totally get it. So many people are in posting these huge, long things on LinkedIn. It's like I very quickly run out of attention. But when I'm scrolling through, I see Daniel or Dave, you post a, a dark mode tweet. It's like, oh, I can definitely at least read that right before I go on about my day. It keeps you guys top of mind for me a lot when you're doing that. So that's some great stuff. And I think like the same thing with like the TikTok, you know, like Todd Klauser going and posting his TikToks and LinkedIn, like, yeah, I'll go watch your. 10 second video, Todd. And so then I'm thinking about him, but so, you know, I don't have time to be watching super long pieces of content all the time. Any great non B2B company does this. I love golf and I, my favorite golf content is like golf memes and golf TikTok stuff. And those channels, like one of them is like an account called Zyre Golf, right? I found them on Instagram, but they also have Instagram and they also have TikTok and they're posting the same stuff. And I think it's just an audience, it's a reach thing. Like, we spend millions and millions of dollars on paid advertising. And we know that the trick, one of the not tricks, but one of the best practices to paid advertising is reach and frequency, right? The more someone sees the message, they're going to actually do something with it. And so, like, why isn't that the same with organic social? Okay. Lovely. You're on next. See you, Brendan. Hey, everyone. I hope everyone's having a good day. I just wanted to ask a question because I'm just getting back on LinkedIn because most of my clients are coming through personal referrals. But I want to know, I know that to grow that I would have to reach. If you both were starting off LinkedIn today, no traction, just really starting off bare, where would you begin? And how would you build better relationships along the way as you're trying to scale your social media platform? Love it. Go, Daniel. You go first. I'm going to think of my notes. Yes. I would start figuring out what niche I want to go after first. So like what I want to talk about. And I honestly, it would be something that I'm passionate about, not something that I think would be attractive to other people. Like I want to start with where I'm passionate about. And second thing I would do like unscalable things. Like I would find the top 10 people in my space and comment on every one of their posts every single day. I would go comment people in the industry. I would comment back on every one of my comments that happened. I would respond to every single DM. People underestimate this point, but like you have to consume a lot of content to create a lot of content. Taking a step back and consuming and getting ideas and documenting that is so important. So one, I would start finding niche what niche I want to go after Two, I would do unscalable things. And then three, I would consume a bunch of content, document my thoughts on that content. And then I would have a repository of a bunch of things that I can start posting on. That's how I would restart it. That was great advice. I scribbled down four notes and I'm going to spit it back to you. And then lovely, I would love to hear any reaction to that. So a couple of things that you mentioned. One of them is I think really important that a lot of people miss is a lot of people want to be the companies want to be great on social media, but they can't actually articulate what that looks like. And so, to be a consumer, I don't have any presence on TikTok right now, but I love TikTok. And I feel like I could articulate if I wanted to be successful on TikTok, what type of content would I have to make for that channel? And so, to be a consumer first and look at who are two or three other pages or people in your niche that you think have done a good job, or just observe what people think are interesting. The other thing that you mentioned is this idea of uh, just being everywhere and commenting on anything and connecting with people. One thing I meant to mention with the last question that you can do is, I think actually using LinkedIn and outbound connecting with people that you want to see your content in the early days can be really powerful. Because a lot of people think that LinkedIn is just like this business network, but it's not. It's changed into a content platform. And so one thing that I did in the early days of Drift was David, the CEO, and I, we had a list of our top 100 customers and their CEOs and CMOs and their LinkedIn profiles. And we would go and try to connect with every single one of them because if they accept our connection, and most likely they will, because very rarely do people just not take connections, they have then basically opted in to see our content. And so, one of the reasons that my page was able to grow faster was because at the same time that I was posting things and people were following me, I was actually going out. And when you go out and follow people, you're often following like 
what Seth Godin calls like the sneezers. Those are people, Lovely's not going to just pick like 10 random people in your niche. They're going to be people that are probably influential and important and might have other connections. So don't forget the power of like, even if you're just on this webinar right now and you're just browsing on LinkedIn, kind of multitasking and you see people that look interesting, try to connect with them. I, I don't understand why a lot of people don't do that. I would add uh, a caveat to that too. Like connect with people who've liked the other people that you've done comment like those five people connect with those people because they're active on linkedin so if they're active on linkedin they'll probably be active on your post too a lot of people will connect with these random people who never spend time on linkedin and they will never go like their content connect with active people too comments is great for two reasons one in the early days if you can engage with everyone like if you have three people that comment on your posts it's great go say what's up to each one of them and when you comment don't just leave emoji reactions like i do that stuff now but I think comments every now and then can also be an incredible source of future content. Basically, other people's content is like a prompt for you to write. A lot of people have writer's block. I don't know what I'm going to say on LinkedIn, but I'm scrolling LinkedIn and I see an interesting post from Daniel. I write a comment on that. That comment actually gets some traction. I'm going to take that and I'm going to post it on my own page in a week or two. Last thing on this before I give you the mic back, love. Most important thing I think is the niche. Who do you want to follow this? Who do you want to follow you? And what's like the selfish benefit? What's the thing that they're actually interested in? Not how can you promote your business, but like we talked about in the beginning with Khaled and becoming known in e-commerce. What are people in that world? What are they actually going to be interested in? And what are your one or two talk tracks that you're going to post consistently about? Any follow-up on that? Yeah, I think for me, what was like a really good confirmation was a lot of the things that you all mentioned today, I've already started doing them over the last 30 days. And we got a discovery call yesterday off of me just talking about why I doubling down on me building this consulting firm. And one of the people I look up to, which is Felicia Hatcher, she's in the ecosystem of helping entrepreneurs, especially um, black and brown entrepreneurs scale. She posted right back to me. And I was like, oh crap, like Felicia Hatcher actually wrote a comment on here. And somebody else saw that she commented, they said, well, if Felicia's commenting on your stuff, you must be good at what you do. And it was like, wait, I've heard about LinkedIn. I've talked about it in terms of like the theory behind it, but actually seeing how powerful it is in the interim with very little that I've been doing because we're hosting like this um, event coming down in Atlanta. I just was just like LinkedIn sales navigator. I can literally look up people in my niche, understand where they are, see what they're... And I was just like, why is everybody not using this? And so <laughs> well, well, but like me, the, the other thing that's so cool that you mentioned is like, this is why like you just have to go and do it and be on social media because I, and I talked about this in the book most people yeah, want to be like well how, how am I going to measure this what's the number what you just said there's no spreadsheet number ROI number but like you had that one comment that one interaction that's enough to get you to keep coming back and you already feel like oh my gosh this is worth it so I'm going to do that and that's not some like perfectly quantitative thing that happened yeah so thank you all I think that definitely for good feedback I'm going to go continue doing it and consuming a lot more and definitely following some people that I really look up to. I think for us, we're still in that stage where we want to work with B2B companies that are literally in that half a million mark trying to get to that next level. So we're not working with big, big companies yet, but my goal is in the long term, five, 10 years from now, I hope that we are, but really trying to figure out like, what is our niche? What is our promise and our brand promise? And when I was reading the book, one of the things that I think you highlighted for me was that having the product be like niche out when you did with drift, like you yeah. really went out the product marketers yeah. that really gave a signal to us. Like, okay, we really need to niche down. Like what is the revenue size of these companies? What are the obstacles that really keep people from getting from their getting early traction, but they want to scale a lot more quicker. And how could we help them specifically with strategy? Love it. Love it. Around. And Hopefully what's great about that is like, that doesn't mean that you can't sell to more people in the long run, but like you're using that as the wedge to then, go learn what works, build up a little business. Then you can say, okay, cool. Hey, this worked for this group. Now we're going to go copy that and go, okay, I just I, uh, I connected with you on LinkedIn because the other thing I was going to say is you got to post consistently, which you have been. You post every day this week. It looks like awesome. All right, let's go yeah, more. You, you're honest. up next. Thank you so much. See you, lovely. Bye. Hey, Dave. Two questions. The first one is, I have a company page and I have a, like a sales coaching training program, whatever you want to call it. So I have the company page and then I have my personal. I post every day on my personal and rarely on my company page. So how do you share posts between the personal page and the company page? That's the first question. And then the second question is the coaching and training that I offer. It's for an account executive in a B2B company, but I'm essentially going after companies 
to have them roll that out for their teams. But so is, should my post still be around sales advice and demo advice the way I'm doing it? And then just say, hey, founders or hey, sales managers or hey, account executives. So those are two questions. Daniel, you answer this because I want to reframe this for everybody that's listening at home. Personal page or company page and or can you talk about the difference, how you might use them? And maybe I'm also fine if you want to talk about what you've helped do with the DGMG page and how that's benefited also. Yes. I think if your company page and your personal page have the same audience, like I would treat a company page like a personal page. You are a human and it should have a personality and it should be talking to the audience that you want to be talking to. So I would, you can cross promote some posts over. I do it all the time. I help DG and put some that he's posted and put it on his stuff. I think like the reason why it works for him is because he had, those are the same audiences that are working. So if you, if those are the same audiences, yeah, hell yeah. And also the company page is just the reason why a company page is so important is when someone goes to look up your company and they want to work with your company and it has a hundred followers versus 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 followers. It's a credibility thing. Like Gong has a hundred something thousand. If I go look at them compared to like whatever ring DNA, whatever the competitors are, Gong is just like this bigger, powerful company that everybody loves and it builds a social proof. So company pages to me is a very big social proof thing, very big credibility thing, but also shows that you are an expert at that topic on the company page. Personal is what you want to be known for outside of your business. So if that's the same thing, it's okay to post the same thing. But otherwise, I would expand on adding personality posts too. Like Dave does this all the time. Like you'll sprinkle in stuff about his family or you'll sprinkle in stuff about he's annoyed with something and stuff like that, which is different because that shows personality to him. I've changed my opinion on this. I, I think the company page is so valuable, so underrated that if I was selling a B2B service or a B2B product, I would actually start with the company page and build up a whole company page first, or in, and I'll get to the second part in a minute. But like, because I think the strategy with the company page is to be the media resource for your customer, and so I want my DGMG page to be a great resource for people in B two B marketing. I want that stuff to show up. I want people to share it. That's perfect. I also want myself, Dave, to be known for B two B marketing. But also some of the things that also I'm interested in that will help me, which I can't do on my company page because it's a company, it doesn't work, is talk about my family, talk about my life, make jokes, talk about my kids, talk about golf, whatever. And so I think you're using them the same, but they kind of each have different strengths and weaknesses. And the best strategy is to combine them. Now, if this is just you and you're in the early days of a company, I would just focus on one and really try to build one up. But you'll also quickly learn that like, Oh, once you start building your company page, why can't you just take one out of every five things and talk about that on your personal page too? Yeah. What I'm thinking maybe as you're speaking is, what if I take my text posts on my personal page and convert them into video? I could do a quick video and then post that as the company. You could, uh, but just remember that like, if you're just repurposing content, it's never going to catch on. Like, It needs its own strategy if you want to actually grow that page. If you just sure. want it to look good and like look credible when people go there, fine. You can have that content there. But like... What's the actual strategy right now? Like, one of the companies that I'm working with right now, I'm pushing them to really focus on LinkedIn and LinkedIn only and use LinkedIn as like the tip of their top of the funnel strategy, not personal pages. Also, use the personal pages, but mainly focus on the company because I think the opportunity is the company page can become the number one resource for their ICP in the same way that, like, if you're in marketing, you might subscribe to like the Marketing Brew newsletter or something like that. And then while you do that, you can then be the founder or CEO and, and talk about stuff on your own page. I just I would be careful going down the slope of just repurposing content because I would almost guarantee that like three months from now, you'd be in a similar spot with engagement on that page. The what I would also consider is both those two things are different top of funnel contents with two different things. One's top of funnel for your business and one's top of funnel for yourself. The way I would think about it is that original posts on your LinkedIn company page could be repurposed, but they should be repurposed on other channels down the line. That's your number one source of creating. And then down the line, your personal will be that. You can sprinkle some of your stuff, but I think like Dave said, they have to have two separate strategies. And 
purposes what you're going to do for both of them. They're both two different entities, but they do work well at cross-promoting each other to build each other up. Yeah, that's my struggle now because my personal profile has a little over 11,000 followers and have pretty good traction. If I switch gears and start focusing, I don't know. It's something I got to think about. Yeah, you got to make some trade-offs. And I think the only way it's going to grow is by being like very specific and focusing it. Uh, okay, there's one quick question in chat about do LinkedIn company pages get the same reach as personal pages? Yes, they do. I think the discrepancy in followers is what changes that. So I have more followers on my personal page. And so that's going to get more reach than the stuff that I'm posting on my company page. But I've definitely seen things go very viral from company pages. Okay, let's go to Arvind. And then I want to get to Matt's question in chat. And then we'll go to Andrew. Go ahead, Arvind. Hey, thanks, Dave and Daniel. Great conversation. So similar question to someone would ask just now. I'm in very early stages of my LinkedIn journey, about three and a half thousand connections. I don't have a product to sell. But in the traditional sense, I am the product. So the way I'm looking to use LinkedIn is just to network and be top of the mind within my connection group as a leader in marketing and branding. So for someone with that kind of a path at this stage, how do you recommend I play this game? First of all, I love that you don't have a product. Like I'm all for building community first and then figuring out what the product is later. Just keep doing what you're doing. Focus on what you want to be great for and then something will fall into line for that. For me, like marketing millennials came from after eight months of me posting about myself. And I was like, oh, I need to post a podcast. I do a podcast to do more content because I want to connect with more people. And then marketing millennials became a product, but it didn't become a product. It became a product after I built an audience and that marketing millennials wouldn't be as successful as it is now as a company page if I didn't build an audience up on Daniel Murray's personal page. So I think like, what I suggest is just keep doing it and then you'll find something like it happens. Like, cause the beauty of social media is this unquantifiable things that people don't see, like the DMS that come through the people who comment, the connections you make so unquantifiable that like in a year from now, people will be like, Oh, that's the branding guy. Maybe I need help on branding. I should reach out to them. And then you might have a business right there. That's how easy it, it could come. So I would stick with what you do. And, and by the way, like let's say you did start a product right now, like marketingmillennials.com, and you created a 10-week course for millennial marketers about how to improve X. It's going to sell way more than it would have two years ago if you started that first. And now you can post that once and basically feed your whole strategy that way. Okay. Uh, we got a lot of good questions. I want to keep going. Um, Arvin, come Thank on. You. All right, let's. I'm going to go to this one from Matt, and then Brad. I see your question. I want to get to that also. And okay, Matt, and then Andrew will tag you in. What about the transition from industries? How do you handle hopping to a new industry and establishing your expertise? Daniel, for instance, going from primarily home improvement, home services with service titan to B2B SaaS like Clearbit. Do you start from scratch? Connect with new people. What's the strategy? I don't even think about the company I'm working for. I just think about my one goal of what I want to be known for is like helping marketers that are middle stage in their career learn marketing easier. And that's the only goal I figure out. I don't care what company I work for. Which is why it works. I don't care about people in B2B SaaS. I didn't care about people in home services. But on the flip side, if I was the founder of the company, there would be a different strategy. If I was the founder of the company and I really wanted to show that I'm an expert at services industry and I came from a plumbing background, First of all, I probably wouldn't be on LinkedIn because plumbers aren't on LinkedIn. They're, they're on Facebook. If you ever look at the plumbing industry, they'll, they'll be, they chill on Facebook. But I would create an audience there and build a Facebook group there. So another thing is like, sometimes LinkedIn isn't the best platform. It is for most, a lot of audiences, but sometimes it's not because your audience is not hanging out on there. You have two lives, I think, right? You're great at social media and you figured this out, but like, it's not like Clearbit hired you to be the face of their social media. You're doing what you're doing, a, a very different role for them. You focused on speaking to marketers, regardless of what company you're at. And that's the perfect combination. Like, if you take away only one thing from that, I would go back to your businesses and question like, if we sell to event marketers, how can we be? the page for event marketers, whether you work at X company, Y company, or Z company. If we sell to golfers, how can we be the page for golfers? That's ultimately the most important first step in building an audience on social media. And so often when you get inside of a company though, that falls apart because demand gen teams telling you you've got to promote this. Content teams tell me you got to promote this. Completely separate. And just another point when they say about promote this, like if you think about social media as a whole, like 
LinkedIn doesn't want you to leave LinkedIn. Like Twitter doesn't want you to leave Twitter. So if you're posting links and stuff, that's why they don't work. They don't want you to leave the platform. So it's okay to do it sometimes and you can be more strategic about it. But like you have to have built like a lot of it, social media comes down to just like influ- like the book Influence Dave talks about a lot. It's just like reciprocity. You got to give for people to want to give something in return and join your webinar or join something. And that's through like helping them in some way. And if you keep on posting about yourself, you just seem like someone who's talking a, a one-way speech where co- social media is a conversation. It's a, I think of it as like a big networking event that I'm just chilling with a bunch of homies on social media and I'm talking to them. Like when I'm writing a post, I'm thinking about who I'm talking to, that one person. And if it reached more than one, that one person, cool but I'm talking to that one person. And some people who say to me, oh, that's simple advice. Yeah, maybe it'd be simple advice, but that's because I wasn't talking to you, homie. I was talking to that person I wanted to reach. So that's why I think sometimes you just have to think of it one way. If you influence one person in your post, you've done a great job. I have a bunch of friends that are on a text chain and they're all like, Dave, we don't care about your book. And I'm like, right, the book's not for you. (laughs) The book is not for the four of you idiots. (laughs) And and that's not the audience for it. It's in B2B marketing. You're a firefighter. You're an accountant. This is not a book for you. Let's go to Andrew because I said I would go to Andrew. Thanks, Dave. Can we talk a little bit about the psychology of getting CEOs and subject matter experts to commit? Uh, The reason I ask is I have like seven or eight posts when I help CEOs do this. And I always do this because they have a higher likelihood. These posts of getting reactions and maybe even getting some inbound it basically gets them to see the light and commit like, oh, this works. Can we talk a little bit more about things to get those folks to commit? Hey, this is your expertise, right? Here. I know you literally just wrote a book. on I mean, I'm just teeing this up for you. So it's hard because I didn't really put this in the book. But one thing that I really believe is um, if you're in marketing and the CEO is kind of posting every now and then as the marketer, if I'm trying to help the company grow, I might actually hop in and ghostwrite stuff for them and make it happen and then force it to be like a thing that jumps off. And then they're like, whoa, this channel started to blow up. I'm actually going to spend time here. And so I think, can you work together? The other thing is like, could you have a conversation and like, can you reinforce of those seven or eight, nine things that you've done that like that start happening consistently? Can you show them like interesting people that have commented, right? Like Lovely mentioned before someone really influential in her industry commented like, can you reinforce the, the results of this? I also think it has to become a change. And it's like, this is something that I'm going to do a couple of times a week or every day for however long I run this company because I believe that this is an important strategy. It's not going to be like, ah, I'll dabble for a month and then I won't do it. So all CEOs do this, by the way. It's very annoying, but I understand. And um, you have to find a way to make it easy. And that could mean you post three and I'm going to post three. That could mean you put a calendar invite every week. The other thing I would do is I would just try to batch them all, which is what if you sit down for... Could you, could you get 30 minutes with the CEO every week or every two weeks? And could you write 20 posts together? And then you actually help schedule and put them out there? And could you batch get it done? That's how Ben at, at Privy, for example, that's how he did a daily five-minute podcast. He didn't actually do a daily five-minute podcast. He would, every two weeks, block 30 minutes on his calendar and hammer out a bunch of episodes. Could you take that same approach to social media and could you keep a backlog of topics for this person and start to like feed them things? And like, I'd always be pushing David Cancel at Drift, like, hey, you should post more about this. This works really well. And he's like, cool, tell me what to say. And I would like help. And then he would take it and make it his own. And that was a great combination. Right on. Yeah, it's usually a thing where I'll take like 45 minutes and tell him, hey, I'm going to ask you questions, bang, 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 and then cut that up into different pieces of content. But I think, yeah, just any edge is uh, always helpful on getting folks to commit for a long term. A lot of times I find folks are, like, oh, we sell boring software, things like that. I was like, dude, accountants do this on LinkedIn. Yeah, that I means mean, that's, you can do it too. That's the whole point. That's the whole why I wrote Founder Brand because I, the whole point of Founder Brand is like founders are, I think, the most interesting people to be putting out content. And so don't talk about your product ever. You're in the meeting with investors, advisors, customers, partners. You had to hire somebody today. You had to fire somebody today. There was this big thing that happened inside of your company. And you also should be some expert in some niche because why would you start a company about X? Nobody's just going to start that company for fun. There's probably some problem. They have some deep expertise there. So um, that's how I would do it. Hey, Brad, if you're listening, any chance you can come on and ask this question? You can say no, but I see your question. And I want to make sure. So let me, um, let me tag you in. Okay, go ahead. Thanks, Andrew. Good luck out there. And I appreciate you're one of the most valuable TGMG 
Facebook group commenters. And I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Hey, right on. John. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, in a, I guess, a position in an early stage company where actually the founders are engineers. So a lot of this messaging and socials and afterthought, right? But we're looking to build, you know, the founder brand, but we got to probably build the company page too. My question is more so like, I, I guess, you know, from everything that I'm reading in the book, it's great, by the way, it seems way easier to build the person's profile, the page, you know, seems to have some limitations. And specifically, you know, one thing that's a replicate is that, you know, you can go out and connect to a bunch of people that are your ICP, you can start sharing content, driving awareness. That's great. The company page is kind of different, you know, not like you can get people to necessarily like make a connection to your company page. Yeah. How are we getting around that? Obviously you can share links on your homepage. I mean, who, you, you can um, though, they're just different strategies. So I think you're totally right. And the reason that founder brand is a thing is because it, I think it's way easier to start with the CEO, the founder, they have the expertise, but you're saying like, how do you make the company page a thing? Yeah, exactly. You know, who, like who do you, how, who how do are you, you sell to? Basically getting people to follow it. So we sell to uh, product managers, who are building you know, analytics for customer-facing analytics. Yeah, Perfect. LinkedIn would be perfect for that. There's millions of product managers on LinkedIn. And so my strategy would just be like, for the founders page, let's talk more about personal brand stuff. Let's talk more about their story. Let's talk more about point of view, thought leadership. The way I would try to grow the company page, Daniel, take it from here, is like, be the number one page. How do you be a great page for product managers to follow on LinkedIn? That has nothing to do with stuff that your founder is saying. I actually think this is the perfect combination because then you're not trying to think of like, how do we just replicate content across? It's like founders going to go talk about their story, point of view, thought leadership, industry stuff. Company page is going to be about really, truly the buyer. Go, Daniel. Yeah. I mean, 100% be the best page for product managers and don't think of it as... You don't have to think of niche for this. You're very niche down to product managers. So just do things for like product managers make things that are relevant to them, make things they feel on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't always have to be like this education of like reason why memes and stuff work. I don't think it should be in every single post, but I think it works because it's relatable. It's trendy. It's culture. It's how someone feels like if someone sees like, let's say like product managers had like a hard day or something like that. And there was like a funny meme of something relevant in culture today, like product managers could relate to that and be like, Oh, I feel that deeply. That's what I would do. Like I would just post educational stuff, fun stuff. But obviously, like I would also figure out what the tone of voice and personality of the company you're trying to like who is this person behind like this I, company? Somebody told me this company recently, like these haven't really taken off yet, but I think they will over time. Catalyst, their persona is customer success. This is a perfect example yeah. of something to post. They're speaking to customer success people. So it's more of a content strategy, right? But I, I guess, you know, with a person, you can complement content strategy with adding more connections. I guess, you know, that thing, I was wondering, how do you, how can you actually promote the page more? I, I you know, I completely understand the content strategy. Is it build it and they will come? I mean, no, because the, the yeah. way you promote the page is the audience is already on LinkedIn. The, the yeah. way you'll grow your LinkedIn page is not by telling people on your email list to go follow. Now that you should yeah. do that. You yeah. can do that. Hey, go check out the page. But that's why to me, that's why you're on LinkedIn in the first place, because the audience of millions of eyeballs is already there. And what's going to show it to more people is by posting content that gets engagement. And so likes and comments are going to show that content to more people. So it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy. But yeah, if you want to give a jump start to your page, like when we started focusing on the DGMG page, I think I did probably post like, Hey, I'm starting to post more from the DGMG page. If you haven't already, go follow it. But I don't think that needs to be like an ongoing promotion strategy because ultimately now, the way I get more followers on LinkedIn is by posting more content, right? It's not about promoting that I'm on LinkedIn elsewhere. Yeah. And you also could go... There's like a follower thing where you can find people that are product managers and say like request them to follow the page. And you get like 100 a month. You could do that. And then also like... If you have really like product fans that are ra- product managers that are raving fans of your company, it doesn't hurt to be like reach out, be like, hey, I'm starting to post more educational stuff and more fun stuff about product managers on this page. Like, I would love to get your feedback on like what do you think about it, and if you can give it a follow, I would appreciate it. And like, get more people in the in your audience to follow it. Like, that's like the scrappy way to do it at the beginning, and then eventually, like once the, more and more product managers start liking your stuff, it will start broadening into more and more product managers. 
everybody's got to wrap up, but I want to just finish with one last thought. And this was great, Daniel. Thank you so much. Everybody's questions. I'm going to grab this recording. People will ask a lot of questions about this. Is We could do more like this. One thing that drives me nuts lately is, and I did this at Drift, but like five, six years ago, your company LinkedIn strategy could be like, we're going to ask everybody to like and comment on this post. But to me, that's not an effective company LinkedIn social media strategy anymore. I think the way to win is now through... That was back when organic reach was going insane. It was literally just a volume game. And so if we could get a bunch of people on LinkedIn at our company to comment on our posts, the reach of that post was going to skyrocket. But now one of my biggest pet peeves is that people take this LinkedIn advice and they say, yeah, I want my whole company to be posting on social media. And what happens is Daniel's the CEO and Daniel writes a post. And then everyone on the company writes, awesome, nice, totally agree, great. That just looks gimmicky, corny, and not authentic to me. We're like, I would much rather not have everybody in my company post. And by the way, the worst content you can post is when people feel like my company forces me to post on LinkedIn. I shared an example the other day in the DGMG community of a, of a sales rep at Goldcast who posted like two things that he thinks like a lot of customers make a mistake. And so, like, how can people, the people that are working hard in your company who are in and around this ICP, how can they become experts and share their own voice? And so often there's at least one person in marketing who wants to do that at least one person in sales, and then maybe the founder. So you already have three. I'd much rather focus on leading through quality with the personal brands and the people at your company. Make them be experts in your industry. And then your company will grow because, wow, I see that there's four or five people at Gong that have relevant things to say about sales or whatever on LinkedIn. That works. It's not about just asking everyone to comment on your stuff. I would also add one thing. like Sometimes a play doesn't have to be like get more inbound leads for like com- people on your company posting. Like if you have great people on your company posting, it's a very good way to recruit great talent to your business. Like for example, like at service time, people would just like come in in the funnel and be like, oh, I see Daniel Murray posting on LinkedIn all the time. Like this seems like a cool company to work for just yeah. because I was posting every single day. And do you think that that would have ever happened if you just only posted about Service Titan product stuff? Never. They wanted to join the marketing team because they're like, oh, I want to work with someone who's like Daniel on LinkedIn. This is not a braggy thing. I think like that's what happened. Like, I bet you Dave got a bunch of people who wanted to work on his marketing team at Drift because he posted on Drift and Drift got a lot of inbound leads. But I bet you a lot of people would, would like, great talent where like, I want to come to Drift or I want to come to Privy because Dave, I respect Dave as a leader because he's sharing his expertise online. Cool. Okay. This is great. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to jump. I got to get a drink of water between my next call. Daniel, I appreciate you. I'll probably talk to you in Slack in a minute or two, but thanks. See you all later. My recommendation would be for the next week, don't think about your product. Don't think about your business. Think about how can you be the number one resource for the people you're trying to sell to and try to be more like a meme or content account that you would actually follow than like I'm a LinkedIn company page and I'm going to post a bunch of things about my product and links and hashtags and all that nonsense. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Exit 5 podcast. If you're in B2B marketing and you want to grow your career, you should also go and check out everything that we have over at exit5.com. We've got articles, we've got videos, we've got templates. Plus, we have a community, a community of over 4,000 B2B marketing pros. Whether you're deep in your career and want to connect with your peers or just starting up and you want a place to go where you can see what people are talking about, get smarter about B2B marketing in your own time to grow your career and help grow your company, go and check it out. It's exit5.com. You can get on the email list there. You can join the community. There's 4,000 marketers in the community. We have a job board. We're always adding new stuff. It's really becoming the number one place you can go if you want to grow your career and learn more about B2B marketing outside of what you're doing inside of your company every day. So check it out, exit5.com. And I also want to make sure I give a shout out to my friends at Hatch. That's hatch.fm. They produce this podcast. It sounds amazing because of the work that they do. And they work with B2B companies just like yours. They offer unlimited podcast editing and strategy for businesses. You can get unlimited podcast editing and on-demand strategy for a low monthly cost. All you got to do is just upload your episode and they take care of the rest. Go and check them out. It's hatch.fm. Hello, hello, hello. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. If you share a pipeline goal with your sales team, then you care about the deliverability 
of your team's outbound emails. No email visibility means no chance to get that meeting. This is the silent nightmare for marketers. We often don't even know that this is happening. The most common cause of it, it's actually an easy one to fix. You're not using the right tool. That's why hundreds of marketers at companies like Mutiny are switching to Apollo.io. Apollo has every tool you need to power your entire outbound and inbound motions. Yep, that's right. I said inbound emails too. You can ask their team about what that is. Marketers using Apollo have seen outbound email deliverability jump from 62% to 98% after making the switch. 98%, that means more replies, more meetings, and of course, more pipeline. Want to see what type of results you can get with Apollo? Head over to apollo.io slash e5, apollo.io slash e5. If you go there right now, their team will set you up with a free account for you. And as a thank you for your time, check this out. You're going to get a free annual membership to Exit 5. That's valued at $275 just for checking them out. And the tool is free. If you're not already a member, this is a great opportunity. And if you are and you want to learn more, go to apollo.io slash e5.